For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Can you believe this? Oh, Say it with your chest. Looking to push tempo here, the Pelicans. He'll get there. Bunny hops into a bucket. Hold that follow through. He posed. That's right. This is what takes you to another level. What the Pell is up, everybody? This is Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans with your host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Make sure you go over and follow at Elliot Clough on Twitter. And before you do that, or after you do that, or while you're listening to this podcast, make sure you subscribe and or follow, depending on where you're listening to this podcast. Make sure to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Do it! That really, really helps us out. And if you're in a circle... Of Pelicans fans, or you have just a few other Pelicans fans that are friends, or maybe just one friend, or your dad, or your mom, or your long-lost cousin that you never had, tell them about this podcast. It's greatly appreciated, and it's another way to talk with your friends about the Pelicans and how much you love them, and just how much you love listening to podcasts about them, specifically ones that are affiliated with Believe, the Believe a Podcast Network, that's B-L-E-A-V. Anywho, thanks for tuning in today. We got a good one ahead of us. You know, there's just really not a lot of things out about the Pelicans right now. So a lot of people, it's in in this circle, in the Pelican circle, it's easy to just revert to the playoffs. It's easy to just go over and talk about the current state of the playoffs because, well, I mean, it's the it's it's the NBA playoffs in 2020 in the bubble and I mean, the Bucks are out. The Heat are going to the conference finals. Now there's a game seven between the Raptors and the Celtics in the East. And last I checked, the the Clippers were about to go up 3-1 on the Denver Nuggets while the Lakers are up 2-1 against the Houston Rockets. And there's a ton of narratives to go in that direction. But there is some Pelicans news as of today and some news that we can relate to the Pelicans. So we do still have plenty of New Orleans content on today's episode, and we'll have some really awesome stuff coming next week. So you don't want to miss out on that. But before we get to that, we want to talk about that Pelicans news as of today. The Sacramento Kings have apparently tried to seek out an interview with Trajan Langdon for their head of basketball operations position. Basically what David Griffin does for the Pelicans at this very moment. So Griff, Trayson Langdon, Swin Cash are all members of the front office, but Griff kind of oversees the whole operation, i.e. basketball operations or president of basketball operations or whatever you want to call it. Obviously, Gail Benson is the head of the whole thing. She is the head honcho being the owner of the Pelicans. But basically what David Griffin does is he oversees everything. He's whoever the new head coach is. He's that person's boss. 
He's Trajan Langdon's boss, and he's Swin Cash's boss. So when you talk about the front office, David Griffin kind of heads up that whole thing. And basically what the Kings were doing was going out and trying to make Trajan Langdon that guy in Sacramento. So Langdon did turn down the opportunity for an interview. He was basically on a list of about seven guys throughout the NBA, other GMs, other members of front offices throughout the NBA. He was on their list, and he appeared to be at the top of their list for guys to bring in for that position in Sacramento. And Trajan said, no. Trajan said, I am good here in New Orleans. This is per Will Guillory, by the way. He tweeted it out this morning. Pelicans beat writer for The Athletic and former guest on Believe in the Pelicans tweeted this out this morning. Sources told him and other members of The Athletic that Langdon turned down the opportunity for an interview with the Kings. So what does this mean? I mean, at its face, it's like, okay, good, sweet. We can move forward. Trajan Langdon's our guy. This is how we're going to go about the future and a guy who's going to be a cornerstone for how the Pelicans figure that out. We know how well he did last year in combination with Swin Cash and David Griffin in that Anthony Davis trade and how the Pelicans moved forward this last offseason. And that's a big reason why he was sought out and why he's been so respected throughout the league since his moving on from Brooklyn to New Orleans. So chances are this isn't the last time Langdon will be mentioned in a conversation about other positions in front offices throughout the NBA. But for right now, Langdon did say that he will be, I mean, he he turned it down. So he's sticking around in New Orleans, obviously. So Basically, what this means is he believes in the culture that is being built in New Orleans, believes in himself that he can aid in the process of continuing to build this culture in New Orleans. And not only does he believe in what the front office can do, he's ready to build a team and wants to be a part of bringing in the new head coach and attacking the draft and free agency, along with David Griffin, along with Swin Cash this season. And it's tough to say... (laughs) from his position it's got to be tough to say I want to leave and go build somewhere else when you've already got Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson to build around plus David Griffin to learn from and work with first of all he literally just got to New Orleans legit this is his first big time job in the NBA sure he was a part of the front office in Brooklyn and helped their rebuild but in New Orleans this is really a position of authority And he's right there with David Griffin, aiding in the process of building what the future is going to look like in New Orleans. So, I mean, this is a real opportunity to show the league what he's capable of. I mean, the Pels are likely going to move on from Kenrich Williams, Frank Jackson, Jaleel Okafor, Etwan Moore, and Derek Favors this coming offseason. They have the 13th overall pick. And I'd be shocked if they don't make some sort of role player splash in free agency. We've been talking about that 3 and D wing, like a Mo Harkless, Marcus Morris, something like that. Or they'll probably be making a trade this offseason, which again, we'll be talking about this coming week and is going to be a blast of a few podcasts next week with some pretty special guests that we're very excited about. But anywho... In in reference not only to just the Pelicans and what the Pelicans have to offer and what he has to offer to New Orleans and and what's on this roster and who he's working with, I mean, look at 
the Sacramento Kings. Like, <laughs> it's pretty easy. New Orleans doesn't have the greatest history of basketball, but let's compare it to the Sacramento Kings for a second. I mean, the last time this team was actually good was in the early 2000s when they kind of got screwed out of a finals appearance. It was early 2000s. I couldn't tell the exact date, but they were facing against the Los Angeles Lakers, the Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal Los Angeles Lakers, and were kind of shut out from the playoffs or from the finals because, you know, you're not going to leave a Los Angeles team out. You're not going to leave the Lakers out. You're not going to leave Shaq and Kobe out. The NBA pretty much finessed that situation, but... Other than that, like what what level of success have they had outside of the Jason Williams era, the Chris Webber era, the Vladdy Divac era, the Peja Stoyakovich era? <laughs> I mean, since then, it's been a whole lot of Bogdan Bogdanoviches, you know, like guys who can there's there's a few guys on the roster who can play. But other than that, I mean. I genuinely don't know the last time the Sacramento Kings made the playoffs. Oh, another name that you'll love to hear is uh, Mike Bibby. That's a classic Sacramento Kings name. And and looking it up here, the last time the Kings made the playoffs was the year, you guessed it, 2006. 2006. We're going to look up that roster just for funsies. You know who else was on that roster <laughs> besides Mike Bibby? They went 44-38 and 38 that year, finished fourth in the NBA Pacific Division, and we're not going to see where they finished in the West here. But they did lose in the first round to the San Antonio Spurs in six games. So the rest of that roster, in terms of recognizable names, is going to be Kevin Martin, Ronnie Price, maybe for some of you, Peja, Bonzi Wells, another former Pelican slash Hornet. Meta World Peace, Run Our Test. And Sharif Abdur-Rahim is a recognizable name for for some of you. I believe that that is a guy who's been on Grubb's podcast, Hard in the Paint, and or radio show, Hard in the Paint. So you might recognize that name as well, but the Kings just really do not have a storied history is what we're getting at as a, as a bad franchise. And, and as you look at them right now, there's not much to be excited about either other than De'Aaron Fox. I mean, as it currently sits for the Sacramento Kings, they got Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, Bielitsa's pretty good. Like I said, Bogdan Bogdanovich and Fox. Rashawn Holmes can play pretty well at times, and Marvin Bagley's pretty much been a bust for them. So, I mean, he's he can contribute. I think he would actually provide a really good role. He would do some good stuff in New Orleans, but he's a role player, and he was picked number two in the NBA draft. So not a guy that you necessarily can get super excited about by any stretch of the imagination. So, I mean, your cornerstone's deer and Fox, and who knows how long he's going to stay around. He could be the loyal type, like Giannis Antetokounmpo, and, and want to stick around for a while, but looking at it at its face, he could really go places if he decides to join a winning franchise and leave Sacramento. So, the one definitive piece that you're like, yeah, I'm really excited to have him, is, is going to be... Fox or maybe Bielitsa because 
Bielitsa's fairly young. No, he's not. He's 32. <laughs> and then Bogdan Bogdanovich, who is 28. So, I mean, the thing is for for Langdon is that he's building anyway, and this place in New Orleans has a better foundation to build upon. Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram. I mean, guys like Josh Hart are incredible to work with, especially when you've already got the star power of Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. And, and assuming the Pels can go out and get a veteran 3 and D guy and a spacer at the 4 or 5 for Zion, this team is just a few pieces away from really at least competing for an NBA playoff position because the West is going to be tough for years to come. We have to acknowledge that this whole idea, everybody was like, Pelicans are coming from the championship. That's, that's going to be debatable for quite a few years now, but the Pelicans have a lot of pieces to go forward and they'll be just fine. And Langdon you know, he'd be staying in the West, even if he went to, to Sacramento. Obviously, that's way further West. And he'd be going to a worse team. Sure, he'd be the head honcho. But how much do you lose by moving from the GM position with a good franchise to being the head honcho with a bad franchise? This is a no-brainer he already has established a relationship with David Griffin from their days in Cleveland. This off season can be pivotal for the Pelicans going forward. Langdon can really make him name for himself this off season. He and Griff Griff already has a lot of the respect, but those two working together plus when cash this off season could be really, really, really fun. And Langdon's decision to stick around in New Orleans was the smart one. It was the correct one. There's no way he would get out of this looking like a smart guy for leaving to Sacramento. It's not a free agency destination. They don't have a great history of drafting players. Last time they made the playoffs was 14 years ago. Langdon made the right choice. This was easy. It's good to hear, but it's like it's even better to hear that we got a smart guy at GM. He he's willing to stick around and learn and get better and build his repertoire as a member of a front office in the NBA. Will the Pelicans be able to hold on to him forever? Who knows? Considering his already building respect around the league, people admire him and what he's done in the NBA. But for right now, He's in New Orleans, and considering GMs of the past in New Orleans, <clears throat> whose name Dell Demps is just going to be avoided from now on, Langdon's good. Langdon's great, and, and the Pelicans really ought to appreciate what they got in Langdon. So the other news breaking within the last few days has been the Decision by the Thunder and Billy, Don Billy Donovan to mutually part ways. Basically, in a statement, Sam Presti said that the two sides couldn't come to some level of clarity on the trajectory of the team and what the plan was. So what Donovan wanted was a what's the plan over the next five years, and Presti couldn't give it to him. Considering the early exit this year's playoffs, the unique structure 
of the roster as it currently sits and and who knows what it's going to look like this offseason Gallinari with the potential to leave Chris Paul and the end of his contract obviously he's going to pick it up because he wants to make that money but who knows if the Thunder will decide to trade him and go full rebuild with the young roster that they currently have in in Shea Gilgius Alexander with you know Dennis Schroeder and Lou Dort, who everybody seems to love and thinks will be the GOAT going forward. Uh, It's understandable that Sam Presti has this vision. And considering the haul that they got for Paul George last season with sending him to the Los Angeles Clippers, they are very well set up for the future. Sam Presti is a very, very good general manager. And it's fair that they couldn't come up with this type of clarity. And for Billy Donovan... It's fair for him to want to leave as well because he's not necessarily, he's not super old. I mean, he's been coaching for a long time. He wants to know what the plan is and he wants to know how he can be successful and he wants to make a push for a championship. And how can you blame him for not wanting to rebuild after being on a bunch of winning teams in the last five years in the NBA, having a bunch of success at the collegiate level as well? He's not a rebuild type of coach. He's just not. And the fact that he coached this year and coached this team to the playoffs after being given a 0.2% chance to make the playoffs, I believe, at the beginning of the year from ESPN it was, or some betting site, it's it's fair. I mean, for for both sides to decide that they want to move on from one another, this becomes another place where Kenny Atkinson could probably end up as a guy who's known for developing young players and going to a roster that has a guy like Shea Gilgius Alexander who could continue to develop and be a star because he's very, very good for how young he is, but he could be much, much better at the same time. That's not something that I thought about until I just said it. So hopefully if the Pels want to grab Atkinson, if he's their guy, they make a move here soon. But my three, four guys that I'd really love for the Pelicans to grab is Kenny Atkinson, Jerry Stackhouse, Sam Cassell, and possibly now Billy Donovan. And if you're not at least interested in Donovan as a Pelicans fan, I think you should be. And I'll tell you why here. As a collegiate head coach... Donovan was a grad assistant initially under Rick Pitino at Kentucky. He then became a head coach at Marshall, turned the program around in just a year, doubled their wins from the year prior. Youngest head coach in Division I at that point in time was just 28 years old, and in his two years with the Thundering Herd, finished with 35-20 and 20 record over two seasons. Believe he won the conference championship both of those seasons, at least the regular season championship and was named Coach of the Year his inaugural year at Marshall. He actually also recruited Jason Williams, who we did just reference, the White Chocolate, uh, one of my favorite players of all time in Sacramento, recruited him to Marshall and to stay in-state despite being recruited by a bunch of other high-level programs. Ultimately, Donovan moved on to Florida in 1996, brought Jason Williams with him to Gainesville, won two national championships at Florida in the early 2000s, went 467 and 186 with the Gators posting a 71.5% winning percentage, also an NCAA runner-up in his second year at Florida with six Elite Eight appearances and three Final Fours 
to his name with the Gators. Arguably, I mean, they had a lot of, they had a few years where they had a lot of talent, but were bounced early in the NCAA playoffs, turned that around, playoffs, tournament, turned it around, won some championships, uh, continued to have some success, brought in guys like Joakim Noah and Corey Brewer that they won the titles with later on, I believe when I was in high school, obviously Bradley Beal hasn't been in the league that long, went out and got Bradley Beal, recruited him to Florida. That was one of the years that they made the final four, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, drop that in the uh, the old Twitter responses. But one could say he's one of the greatest coaches in collegiate basketball history to the tune of being rumored for multiple head coaching positions in the NBA, took an NBA head coaching position in 2007 before deciding to retract his signing with the Orlando Magic and going back to Florida for the next eight years, six, seven, eight years, and coach with the Gators after a, a, just an emotional roller coaster, but decided to stick with his position in Florida before taking the job with the Thunder, took over for Scott Brooks the year that uh, Donovan started with the Oklahoma City Thunder in 2015-2016. I thought the move was strange at the time. Given a then-college coach the position, Scott Brooks had some success with the Thunder prior to that with Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and a few years prior, uh, James Harden. They had a bunch of success with those three young guys. Probably would have won a bunch of titles had they decided to put it together. Ownership didn't want to get into the luxury tax. That's a whole other story for a whole other podcast. And if the ESPN doesn't do a 30 for 30 on that, I might lose my damn mind. Anyway, Billy Donovan coached OKC from 2015 to the end of this season. 2015 uh, 2016, that roster included Kev, both Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, Dion Waiters in his young days, Nick Collison, Stephen Adams at that point in time as well. So he coached Kevin Durant for just one season in Oklahoma City before KD decided to move on and head west to Golden State that year, that his inaugural year. In Oklahoma City, the Thunder went 55-27, and 27, moving on to the conference finals and then losing after being up 3-1 against the Golden State Warriors, who had 73-9 record, then went on to lose 3-1 to the Cleveland Cavaliers. So collectively, as a head coach in the NBA, Billy Donovan has a winning percentage of 60.8 with a record of 243 and 157. No losing seasons in the NBA. Uh, was named the NBA Co-Coach of the Year in 2019 with Coach Bud, Coach Budenholzer in Milwaukee. But despite having that record of success in the regular season, Donovan has posted just an 18 and 23 record in the playoffs with 0.439 winning percentage. So over the five years with Oklahoma City, not making it past the first round the last four years, actually. That first year, making it to the Western Conference Finals. 
and falling to the Warriors, as mentioned previously. But then, of course, in 2016 through this year, not making it past the first round, which is pretty frustrating for the Thunder. Those teams have had a a good amount of talent. Went 47-35 and in 2016-2017 with just Russell Westbrook on the roster. That was the triple-double year, followed by 2017, 2018, 2018, 2019 with Paul George and Russ going 48-34 and in 2017-2018. 2018-2019, the Thunder went 49-33. and And then following this year, the Thunder went 44 and 28 through those 72 games that the league played this season. So at the age of 55, Donovan has quite a few years left. And he's done a lot with the Thunder, clearly. I mean, looking at these five years in Oklahoma City, he's won with basically what were four-ish, five-ish, totally different teams. Totally different teams. I mean, for the most part, they stuck around and and they had some key pieces. Like Steven Adams has been around for all of these years. But when you go from that Russ and KD team in 2015 to 2016 to just Russ, to Russ and PG, to Russ and PG again, to both of them leaving, and your best players now, Chris Paul, who's 35. Steven Adams is the one core piece you really have left on this roster that's regularly playing from the years previous. Sure, they still have Dennis Schroeder from the year prior. Nerlens Noel has stuck around. Tristan Ferguson has been around as well. Hamido Diallo, who doesn't really play. And then you get Lou Dort, which was a gift. Andre Roberson came back to play for finally this bubble, but his ACL is <laughs> shredded. I mean, I'd be surprised if he plays anywhere near the level of defense he once did because Roberson was known for that. But base, I mean, Donovan won with five different teams, basically five completely different teams. Should he have won more? Probably. Probably. I don't like the playoff winning percentage. I don't like that 18 and 23 record. But that first year made it to the Western Conference Finals. Second year, you just had Russ. He was dominating the like the whole way. I don't know how that dude doesn't get hurt every year based on the intensity he plays with. You can't blame him for losing 4-1. Follow that with PG and Russ, and that's just kind of a strange combo and They really just couldn't get that dynamic figured out. And then this year, with Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Dennis Schroeder, and they make the playoffs and take the Rockets to seven games, that's pretty damn impressive. Probably should have won if Steven Adams figured out that you can alley-oop the ball from out of bounds and get a last-second bucket. So yes, probably should have won more. However... He wasn't really given the opportunity to be with a consistent roster. There were two years where the roster was similar. And that was 2017-2018 and 2018-2019. I mean, and again, it's Russell Westbrook and, and Paul George. And if you've ever listened to Colin Coward, you know that... Uh, <laughs> Russ can be known 
for being known as being difficult to play with. Yeah, let's put it that way. And I mean that first year with Russ and, and PG in the first round with that loss, the loss in six games, they lost to the Jazz in the first round who had a young Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert, Ricky Rubio, Derek Favors, Jay Crowder, Royce O'Neal. It's a pretty good team. And we know Quinn Snyder's a good head coach. I mean, in this series, Donovan Mitchell averaged 28.5 points per game with 7.2 rebounds, followed by Joe Ingles putting up 14.2, Rudy Gobert with 14 and 11 a night, Ricky Rubio with 14, 7, and 7 a night, Derek Favors with 12 and 7 each night, or average each night, Jay Crowder 9 and 4. I mean, this was a good team. Again, led by Quinn Snyder at the helm. Like, how do you blame this guy? And then, of course, we know the, the quote, bad shot by Damian Lillard against Paul George in that fifth game of the series against Portland. So, really specific, completely odd, different ends of the spectrum, seasons, rosters, Playoff appearances is just weird. So, his flexibility should be something that the Pels admire and appreciate, considering he'll be able to work with different offenses depending on what the Pels want to surround Brandon Ingram and Zion with. I mean, per the Oklahoman and Maddie Lee, in an article published in April of this year where I believe what the situation was, Donovan hosted a coaching clinic via Zoom at that point in time. Uh, in It was pertaining to offensive philosophy, maybe not just offensive philosophy, but coaching philosophy. So here's a quote from the article. It says, because a lot of times your personnel can change, whether it's through graduation in high school and college, or whether it's through different changes in the NBA, I think you've got to locate and figure out what each guy's strengths and talents are. And then the job of the coach is to maximize those individual talents as best they can. So what Donovan is saying is that I have a mold and you're going to fit that mold whether you like it or not. That's which is basically a coach bud style of coaching, which that's Dennis Schroeder literally said that in this article, said that Bud was pretty rigid about fitting a system and what he wanted to run, but Donovan was much more flexible as to how he wanted to go about coaching and base it depending on the roster in front of him, what he had to work with. I mean, reference everything I just said about the switching up of the teams. The Thunder went from a fast-paced offense with Russell Westbrook at the helm to an offense focused on ball movement with the addition of CP3, who isn't as speedy and a much more old-school point guard as opposed to Westbrook. When you think of a traditional point guard, Chris Paul is probably the best traditional point guard we've seen in the last 20 years. So obviously a very, very different point guard style style of play in general than Russell Westbrook. And what Donovan did is he took what he had and he freaking abolished it, threw it in the trash can and decided to go forward with what he had on the roster with Chris Paul, with a bunch of youth and with the rest of the roster as it currently was, was put together. 
And looking at this offseason, we've been saying it. It's going to continue to be said. The Pels roster probably going to be flipped on its head. I mean, I mentioned all those names who are probably not going to be on the roster this coming year in, in Frank Jackson, in Jaleel Okafor, in Kenny Hustle. I mean, Etwan Moore is probably the most likely guy to be brought back. And he's old. I mean... So who knows how much he's going to play depending on what the Pels decide to do in free agency and the draft and trades. I mean, assuming the Pels retain Lonzo this year and possibly move off him in the future, Donovan, Billy Donovan is prepared and he's a guy who can help this team move forward and learn how to win. He doesn't lose in the NBA, except in the playoffs. He doesn't lose in the regular season. He can teach this team how to win basketball games. And who knows? Maybe it's a situation where Chris Paul wants to follow him to New Orleans. And tell me the Pelicans couldn't use a Chris Paul to teach them again. Teach them how to win. Chris Paul knows how to win. Has he won an NBA championship? No. But that shouldn't affect his legacy. CP3 is one of the greatest point guards of all time. He's won a ton of games. He made New Orleans viable as a winning team, winning franchise, despite the freaking dumpster fire it was at one point in time. And then he went to the Clippers and won. And then he went to the Rockets and won. Almost made it to an NBA Finals. Had he not gotten hurt, they probably would have made it because James Harden sucked in that Game 7. And then he went to Oklahoma City and won. He does nothing but win. There are some things that obviously need to be figured out for him to win an NBA championship, but he does nothing but win. He's a leader in the NBA, and if you, the Billy Donovan getting hired in New Orleans can bring him back to New Orleans to help build that culture, who says no? But this isn't about Chris Paul. This is about Billy Donovan and what he can help build in New Orleans. I said it a little bit ago. I don't think he's a guy who wants to help completely rebuild. And what the Pelicans are doing is not a rebuild. Are they building? Yes, but it's not starting from the very bottom, the very foundations of it all, like Chicago is. Like the Hornets have been trying to do for years. (laughs) And what the Thunder could very well be doing in the next few years, depending on what Sam Presti's vision of the future is. So for New Orleans, considering the roster, the mixture of vets and young guys, it's incredible what he did with that team in Oklahoma City this last year. And I absolutely think he can bring that to New Orleans going forward. And the Pelicans should consider him. Is he my top choice? I don't think so, but I would love the hire. Again, Billy Donovan, Kenny Atkinson, Jerry Stackhouse, Sam Cassell. My four guys. We're going to talk about possible trades this coming episode with Justin Napoli, once again, a Propels Talk, and Ross Tevino, his co-host over there. Very excited for them to be joining us on Monday. And then we'll be having members of other pieces of media from teams that could be pushing to grab Drew Holiday this offseason. We're going to do kind of a conglomeration of three or four different conversations this coming week. And I'm really excited for that. So that way we can find a happy medium of how the Pels can navigate trades with these teams and who they want and and why they'd want it. And it's going to be really fun this coming week. 
This is not a coming week that episodes that you do not want to miss. These are these are going to be really really fun. So Pels fans, do not miss those episodes and make sure go follow at Elliot Clough on Twitter while you're there or while you're here listening on Apple Podcasts because I know a lot of you listen on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, leave a rate and review. Do it! Again, that really, really helps us out. Make sure to share the podcast with a friend while you're doing that as well. Go follow Believe on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and you can check out a plethora of their other podcasts on Believe.com or just head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. You can check out some more Pelicans coverage on SB Nation's The Bird Rights, and that will include work from former guests like Preston Ellis, Ollie Cosell, Chris Connor, Kevin Berrios, and David Grubb. Don't forget to shoot over to Twitter and give at Elliot Clough a follow. I am Elliot Clough, and this was Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.